Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. I, uh, I was excited when Philip asked me to, uh, to come and share tonight. I, uh, it, it was probably <clears throat> 15 years ago, I would have been in my early 20s. And I, I remember just, it was like customary at that stage in my life, where it was a natural rhythm of mine to, uh, to go and attend a worship service. And you don't know how much I have grown to uh, hate that term worship service and that word attend. Because it was in that moment, I was like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Am I going just to be entertained by the pastor? Because he's really not that entertaining. Am I going just because it's out of obligation? Because there's a lot of other things that I could be doing. But it was in that moment, I was like, wait a minute, I come because I expect and anticipate for God and God's Holy Spirit to say something to me. And so I, I hope that as you're here tonight, that you came asking that question, like, hey, I, I didn't come here to, like, be entertained by Pastor Philip, and that's actually really good, because he's not up here to entertain you tonight. So all, all, all that being said, I, I hope that you came here tonight, like, really asking and desiring, like, the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to say something to you. Because I, I am a firm believer that if that's not like how I posture myself in this space, then it's very easy for me to get into a space where God doesn't seem like he's constantly moving. And, and the God that I read about through the scriptures is a God that I constantly see in motion. But there's something that I also see that doesn't add up, and it's a church that's constantly in dismotion. And I'm like, what, why is that the case? And so if, uh, if you were here uh, Wednesday night, it was really exciting to, to see. We hosted a Love Over Fear event. Uh, we had a friend of mine, um, a guy named Dan White Jr. come in and uh, shared about how we are often paralyzed through our fear. And it's our fear that keeps us from walking across the street and building relationships with other followers of Jesus that may worship differently than us that may go by different names than us. Uh, and it's fear that keeps us from walking across the street and getting to know those that uh, may not follow Jesus. And so it was really exciting here Wednesday night. There were, uh, last I counted, 20 different churches, over eight different denominations, 125 people gathered in this space from Five of the seven cities in Hampton Roads, I won't tell you which two were not here, but five of the seven cities in Hampton Roads, 
just to talk about how do we work together for the common good of Hampton Roads, to make sure that we are a church in motion, that we are a people in motion because our God is in motion. So that part of my message is a freebie. That's not even in my notes. So what I wanted to talk to you about tonight was a question. It's a simple question. In fact, Kel, would you mind? Actually, it's not Kelly. It's Amy tonight. Would you mind putting that up? If you could have anything you wanted from God, what would it be? If you could have anything from God, what would it be? So some of you may know this and some of you may not know this. My uh, original pursuits in life had nothing to do with being a pastor Nothing to do with now the work that I do as a missionary helping develop uh, what I would say gospel movements in different cities. But my original pursuit in life was engineering. And so I went to uh, the University of Akron. Anybody know the, the mascot for the University of Akron? Nobody. What? No. What? What, what was a zip? You guys cheated. So can you picture killer kangaroos? I can't either. But anyways, it was a good school for engineering. So I went to school to, uh, to be a uh, civil engineering, uh, majored in structural design. And uh, very quickly in school, I uh, got an internship working for the city of Akron. Uh, Akron is probably about a city of two to 250,000 people. So it's not a major city, but it's not a small city either. But I got a job working in their planning and development department. And uh, my boss, within uh, that uh, internship, decided that uh, he wanted to keep me on when my internship was over. And he wanted to groom me in order to take over his job overseeing the whole planning and development department for the city of Akron. And so I was moving very quickly. It was like a fast track to to be in leadership, to be in uh, city government, to to have a voice within areas that I never probably would have dreamt of as I was getting ready to study uh, pre-calculus going into calculus class in college, right? But then all that changed when I decided, you know, I, I, I think that God is changing the course of my direction. I, I think that I'm being called to, to, to finish engineering school, but then to go off to seminary and look at what does it look like to share about this God that I have recently just discovered in college. And so I remember uh, before going off to seminary, I began working then at a coffee shop ministry. So I left the city of Akron job. Many people thought I was foolish. Maybe I was. Uh, and started working at a, a coffee shop ministry, reaching out to uh, inner city teens. And I remember preaching my first sermon. So the church that I was a part of uh, said, hey, we want to help invest in you as a, a, as a leader and maybe one day to be a pastor So they said, hey, this was when Sunday night services were really popular. They said, hey, would you come and preach Sunday night? So I thought, sure, I would love to do that. I was nervous as all, you know, but I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. And so I I preached on the book of Laodicea or the church of Laodicea out of Revelation. So it's one of the seven churches 
that if you know the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks to very sternly. And the church of Laodicea lost their what? Or they, they were what? They were what? Lukewarm. And so I talked about how, hey, we can't be like, we, we, we can't be cold, but, but we can't be lukewarm. We need to be hot. So what does it look like for our faith to be hot? And, and, and I, you know, I share different things around that. And then afterwards, like, I think it's safe to say this here. The, the older ladies in the congregation came up. They're like, wow, Mike, you liked this so great. You know, that was awesome. You know, pinch, pinch you on the cheek, and that was fantastic. And I was like, wow, look at that. That was amazing. I was on the fast track. So the pastor came back. He said, Mike, that was incredible. I want you to speak again on a Sunday night. I was like, sure, I'd love to do that. So I thought, well, what, what, what do I follow up the church of Laodicea with? I'll pick another church. Maybe my pastor will give me seven more times. There's seven churches. So I spoke on the church of uh, Ephesus. What, what did Ephesus lose? Their first love. So I talked about how the church, how we can easily lose our first love. Keep in mind, this was 15-ish, maybe longer now, years ago. Maybe 20, wow. Yeah. Whew. And I played a song to close out that time together. It was by a band called Third Day. Anybody remembers Third Day? And I, I was expecting when it was done for like this applause and this, wow, Mike, that was amazing. Great job. Would you come back and continue this like series on the seven churches in Revelation. Instead, I got, dude, you can't talk about that. The old ladies didn't pinch my cheek in a in, in, uh, joyous occasion. Instead, they were like, dude, you can't play that music. And I very quickly learned that this pursuit of not only being a pastor, but this pursuit of following Jesus was not an upward and outward climb but rather this pursuit of following jesus is more about a downward and inward journey you see we often think about our our our, our trajectory in life as being upward we say hey how do i move myself into a place of power how do i move myself into a place of affluence how do i move myself into a place of influence and so this, it's this upward and this outward trajectory, and we think that it's the way of Jesus. And we see it all over Christianity. And in actuality, as we look deeper at the life of Jesus, his life trajectory is more of a downward descent. He says crazy things like dying to ourself and carrying a cross being a spectacle, not getting your cheeks pinched because you did a great job, but maybe the latter. There is a king, King Solomon, that was asked this question. He was asked this question 
from God himself, if there's anything I could give you, what would it be? And King Solomon answered that question. And he answered it by saying what? What did he want? He wanted wisdom. He said, give me understanding so that I may rule your people well. Now, when we think of King Solomon, we think about his like 900 wives or something. His, I don't know how many hundred concubines. We think of all the wives he took in order to build alliances with other kingdoms. We look at all the affluence that King Solomon gained, all of the power, all of the, what I would call an upward an outward trajectory. King Solomon is an interesting cat. In uh, Ecclesiastes 9, he, he writes, uh, nine verses one through three, he says, but all this I laid to heart examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. So what is he saying? He says it doesn't matter in life. The good gets the same as the bad. The righteous gets the same treatment as the evil one. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. He looks at life, and he almost looks at life with this anticlimactic view. And we often look at these pages from Solomon. You know, Solomon wrote some of the most luscious poetry. Can I say luscious? He wrote the Song of Solomon. Has anybody read the Song of Solomon? If you have not read it tonight and you are married, go home and read the Song of Solomon. And you will be blown away. You're like, this is in the Bible? I can't believe this. So on one hand, you have... The, the king, he was the third king in, 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 uh, in Israel, and he wrote the Song of Solomon. But then you see him also write things like Ecclesiastes. He writes this, he says, the, uh, the words of the preacher, this is Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1 through 9. He says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. He says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Sounds like a guy that's pissed off. He says, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? This is all pointless. What does man gain by all the toil? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. She goes up and down. And tomorrow we'll repeat the same cycle again. The wind blows to the south and goes to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. 
to the place where the streams flow, where they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. When is the last time you were fully satisfied? What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. You see, we read this by Solomon and we think to ourselves very naturally. This is a man that's bitter with life. He's a man that started out saying, Lord, what I want from you is wisdom. I want understanding so that I can rule your kingdom well. His heart and his motivations, I believe, were in the right place. So then the question is, why does he end up writing this later in life? Is it because he's bitter? Or is it because he actually has now reached a place of understanding? Is it a place of bitterness or has he actually reached a place of wholeness, of peace? What the Hebrews would call shalom, an inner stillness. Is it possible that every step that Solomon made upward towards affluence? And the Lord gave was actually a downward step of facing his own mortality. Is it possible that every step that Solomon made outward of influence was actually a step inward of facing his own loneliness? The song that the band played, can we throw those lyrics up? Bono wrote the lyrics to this song. I'm going out of order. We'll get to that. It's my fault. Bono wrote the lyrics to this song. Some in the band, you too, ascribe to following Jesus. And I read this and it says, I believe in the kingdom come. I believe there's a greater kingdom than what I see here present. Then all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. He says, you broke the bonds, Jesus, you broke my bonds. And you loosened the chains that hold me captive and imprisoned. And I would argue that some of us are sitting here in prison tonight. You carry the cross of my shame, oh my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I believe these words, just as those words are speaking to the anticlimactic posture of life. It's speaking to this paradox. 
this worldview that we have ascribed to that I will gain peace and wholeness the more that I conquer and the more that I gain. I will gain more peace and wholeness when everything in my life is right. I think Solomon found something contrary to that. I think Solomon began to understand that the upward and this outward momentum that we ascribe to in life doesn't lead to a place of wholeness, shalom, inner peace. It's rather this downward journey taking a deeper look within the dark corners of my own soul. A theologian named Henry Nouwen. He says that most humanity has never faced their own loneliness. Do you like being alone by yourself in the quiet? I would argue that's a hard place to be sometimes. But he goes on and he says that if we can learn to be in a place where we learn the dark corners of our own soul, the things that keep us restless, the things that cause us to say what Bono knew so well, that I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. Or my interpretation, a hundred years from now, all new people. How's that one land? You see, we posture ourselves in this world and say, I will be happy when I accomplish what I want to accomplish with my life. And I'm telling you, it doesn't get there. You get to that end and you say, wait a minute, this isn't everything that I thought it would be. I'm still running and I haven't found it. And you have a choice. You can either keep running and say, no, it's the next one that I conquer. That one will give me happiness. That one will give me peace. It's the next thing that I do for my family. It's the next thing that I accomplish for my kids. It's the next thing that I accomplish for my own resume. Those things will make me happy and make me feel complete. And I tell you, we live in a world where we consummate that. We continue in that upward and outward direction. And we wonder why we're still running. And Solomon, I think, realized something later in life. He says, you know what? There's nothing new under the sun, guys. I've done it all. I've had it all. You know what Henry Nouwen says? He says, when we can sit and face our own loneliness... An inward and downward journey, learning the own, my own dark souls of my, or the, my own dark corners of my soul. As I learn those dark places within me, 
I can actually come to a place where I actually feel at peace. He says we move from loneliness to solitude. And I would argue the movement of the church is in total opposite direction of moving from a place of loneliness to solitude. How does the church measure itself today? It's upward and outward. We are trained to measure ourselves upward and outward. In the scriptures, the posture of Jesus' life is not that, it's downward. It's looking inward. Not in a selfish posture, but in a how do I understand my own motivations. A guy named Richard Rohr, he says that there are two halves to life. The first half we spend our lives building our own egos because it's within our own egos, the confidence that we gain, the, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the security that we acquire. He says that it builds the container for life to sit in. But he says the problem is most people never get to the second place, the second stage of life. And he says it's actually in the second stage of life where we truly learn to be at rest, to be at peace, to say I don't have to accomplish the next thing to be okay with myself. But he says the thing that keeps many of us from moving to that second place in life is because we're not willing to fall flat on our face and fail and be okay with our own failings. We're not willing to face our own loneliness. This last year, I've learned a ton about this. Because, again, it's like natural muscle especially the way I'm wired, I'm like, I'm going to achieve. I'm going to advance. I'm going to do well with myself. In and of that, those things are not bad. But if that is what I'm seeking in order for me to find stillness, wholeness, inner peace, shalom, that as an actual true representation of the kingdom of God, This last year, uh, Connie and I actually, we, we sat and we watched a, a movie. It was called uh, A Star is Born. Has anybody seen that movie? I'm about to give you a spoiler. Um, at the end of the movie, the main character takes his own life. And you see the, this pain that's developed throughout the course of life because it's, I'm, gonna, I'm going to find happiness. I'm going to find a uh, 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 goodwill within myself. I'm going to be at peace with myself when I achieve this next thing. And the character in this flick, this character in this film, he, he achieves and he moves and he advances and he does all these things and he gets to the end and he says, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. He takes his own life. 
I was in a very dark place in my own life, and I looked at Connie and I said, I have never thought about taking my own life, so I don't want to scare you. But I think for the first time in my life, I understand that level of pain. I understand that level of pain. Because before I'd say, that's foolish. That's re- Why would anybody, that's so selfish. No, wait a minute. I understand it. I understand it. Because I spent time looking at the dark corners of my own soul. And I saw something in my own soul that I said, wow, there's something here that does not always align with my creator. I need you, Lord, to shine light into that. I need you, Lord, to bring change to that. Lord, I need you to help me learn how to suffer and to suffer well. Because if I can learn how to suffer, the scriptures and the scriptures use the Greek word kenosis. If I can learn how to die well to myself. A downward and inward journey. I can actually be at rest. Because as I follow that downward and inward journey, you know what I find in the midst of that? I find that the well that I had been drinking from from the Lord was pretty damn shallow. And I say, wow, I never realized there was a deeper well here to drink from. Because I was trying to drink from all these other wells. I'm going to be a good pastor well. I'm going to do well by those in my neighborhood well. I'm going to make sure that I can speak well. And you know what I did? I forgot the own, my, my own journey inside. To ask very pointed questions about why am I doing what, am I, what I'm doing? Why do I feel the way I feel? What is it that I have causes me to feel empty in this moment? And how do I embrace that emptiness? Because it's as I embrace that emptiness that maybe there, and I can tell you from experience, I find that the Holy Spirit is already there. And I can tell you that the Holy Spirit is already at work. All those things that keep you up at night. And I'm not saying I still don't have my anxious moments. Whew, I was anxious about that event we did on Wednesday. Kept me up all night. I still have anxious moments, but you know what I'm learning and I'm finding? As I continue to go downward and inward, not at the exclusion of people, but learning to be okay in my own loneliness, God is drawing me to a place of solitude because I know that I can trust that the Holy Spirit is at work and that God is bringing about His kingdom. God is the one that is making all things new. He doesn't need me to do it. He doesn't need me to correct all the wrongs. I get to be a part of the process sometimes. And as I'm a part of that process, I realize that I just might be the greater work. So my challenge to you tonight, as I read through the pages of Scripture and looked at Solomon, I see this king 
that was asked, what is the one thing that I can give you? And Solomon says, I just want wisdom and understanding. And I believe that ask was genuine. I believe he wanted it so he could do well by his people. But I think his trajectory was off. He tried to go for influence and affluence, upward and outward. Instead of learning maybe at the later stages of life, he actually found wisdom. As he learned that that ladder doesn't get anywhere. And he learned to be okay with himself. I don't have time to say this, but you do realize that King Solomon came out of an illegitimate situation. You could even say he was an illegitimate son. He came out of an affair between David and Bathsheba. Sparked them to get married and say, oh, maybe we can have another kid. We'll have Solomon. I argue with you that Solomon lived with that illegitimacy his whole life. And I don't think that's different for many of us. We live with an illegitimacy that is far from our father. And the more that we learn to go downward and inward, a dying to ourselves and being at peace with the Holy Spirit working in our midst, maybe, just maybe, we can say there's nothing new under the sun because we can say that God is making all things new and I am part of what he's making new. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would welcome us into a reposturing of our life. I pray that you would invite us into this paradoxical way to look at the world, one that is so contrary to our culture, one that unfortunately, is so contrary to most of the way that we even posture ourselves. But there is a new way. And Jesus, that's what you came to do, was to introduce a new way. A new way of love. Where love casts out all fear. a new way of finding completeness, finding wholeness, to face our own illegitimacy, to see where we are far from you, Father, to see the separation that lies and how we even (laughs) mistakenly lead into that separation. And sometimes all for the pursuit that we think we're drawing closer when we're actually drawing further. So Lord Jesus, help us to learn this downward and inward journey of self-discovery, of God-discovery, and learning to follow you, Holy Spirit, and finding this place of shalom, this wholeness, this inner peace. Lord, let us now stand in our worship Lord, let these not be songs that we hear. Let these be words that we praise. 
Lord, let this not be things that we do, but a posture towards you of who we want to be and what we feel called to. As Lord, you are advancing your kingdom. You are making all things new. And we get to be a part of that process. (laughs) And really, Lord, you are making us new. Let us now stand and worship.